When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the South End Zone, part of the Bailey Up Sports Network. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I'm with Eric Mulher, as per the usual. Eric, it's a wild week uh, weekend of football, man. Uh, not the best day for me. How are you doing? Uh, not the best day for me either, but are you talking about Saturday? Uh, like picks-wise oh, yeah. or today? Yeah. Uh, well, just gen- general game results-wise. Um, you know... Yeah, I went three and three. I could have easily gone four and two. I could have gone two and four, uh, depending, you know, some bad luck, some good luck at all sort of came out in the wash. Um, you know, improvement from the first week, so I'll take it. We'll we'll go up from here. Well, I was mainly referring to the fact that Alabama got smoked by Texas. But Yeah, uh, I know. But, but, but thanks for trying to take it in a positive direction. I appreciate your candor in the matter. But, uh, Speaking of picks here, so if I recall correctly, we each had six picks, and you went three and three. Yes. And I went four and two, I believe. And, of course, the only two schools to let me down are my two home state colleges. Great. It's usually how it goes, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Note to self, don't bet on Alabama or Auburn. But, uh, all right, so let's jump right in since I have good internet the moment and uh, we don't know how long that's gonna last let's jump right in and talk about week two man so review our bets here uh, and let's see how we did okay uh i'll go with our, our common picks first um because okay we both had them and they were both winners so we both took liberty minus 10 and a half that's one we both loved um they win by 16 oh, yeah. they they take that over new mexico state 33 to 17 Actually, should have won by more. To be honest, um, they outgained them by al- oh, almost 200 yards. They won the turnover battle three to one. Uh, they just had to settle for some field goals, but still a uh, fairly easy cover. Um, yeah, they, they let them hang around longer than they should. Made us sweat a little bit, but ultimately, the Liberty Well, even without Hugh Freeze, still pays dividends. Yeah, yep, there's still water down there. Um, <laughs> The other one we had was uh, Oregon minus six and a half at Texas Tech, and we were dead in the water <laughs> until we got that uh, that that defensive end pick six. I think the kids are calling that a thick six these days, but whatever it was, yeah. um, Dude, that was crazy. It, I I had quit watching. I had turned it off because I knew you were still on it. I was like, well, if he's going to watch it, I'm going to flip over and get off on get on to something else. I think I had flipped my backup TV to. Uh, Boise State and UCF at that time, maybe. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. But uh, and then you text me and was like, oh, my God, we're going to cover. I was just having and, and Of course, it happens like 90 seconds after. I'm like, well, you know, we need some <laughs> like weird lateral or fumble on the lateral play or some something goofy to happen. And it did. So we were the beneficiaries of that. Uh, they cover six and a half. Oregon wins 38 to 30. Uh, 
road Bo Nix played pretty close to home Bo Nix. So we'll call him yeah. Rome Bo Nix through for 359 yes. and two scores. Yes. We um, would like to trademark that right now. Yep. Bo Nix, you could suck it. We're trademarking it. You're Rome Bo Nix. Chalk yep. it up. There's not even any L- NIL money in that. Um, <laughs> no, none whatsoever. So you hit on Notre Dame minus seven. They cover that pretty easily. Um, yeah, they, they kind of fumble fucked around for a while, man. They, a little they, bit. And then they pulled they away. Couldn't, yeah. They, they couldn't really get it going offensively. They didn't have a ton of rhythm, but man, that, like fourth quarter, like late third quarter, early fourth, man, they really started to just like, you could tell NC state just got gassed and started. Yeah. I think once that. they leaned into the running game a little bit more is really when they kind of, um, got some, got some distance there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Iowa, Iowa under came through for you. They're, <laughs> they're a well also, uh, Iowa, Iowa state under 36 and a half. I don't have the final written down, but it was, I think ended up what? 20 to 10. 20 uh, to something 13? along those lines. I can, I can check that here. Uh, yeah, but I, I, not I, ultimately it was under yeah. 36 and a half. Yeah. And it, it never a doubt, <laughs> never a doubt. Really, yeah. Not really. Um, <laughs> Oh, you mentioned Boise State UCF. I had Boise State uh, money line plus one thirty four, and UCF kicks a forty yard field goal as time expires, and that's what I get for betting on a game that involves Gus Malzahn and blue turf. Uh, moving on, yeah. another one I regret. <laughs> I I kind of went, you know, dipped my toe into the Nebraska at Colorado. I didn't go full on. I, I said this would be like a half unit type bet, just sprinkle a little bit of action. If Nebraska had a competent quarterback play, I would have covered this. Um, yeah, they don't have a quarterback. Period. Right, but Jeff they don't, Jones, so I didn't. He, um, they lose 36 he to 14. He can't throw the ball. It's not even that he can't throw the ball. It's, I would settle for just hang on to the goddamn thing. I mean, he had four turnovers, yeah. you know, and it's not he was, you know, one of them was an interception, so you can call it a takeaway. The other three, frankly, were giveaways. You fumble two snaps. And you botch a handoff. Uh, the, defensively, I was really impressed with Nebraska for much of the game. Uh, they're much better than last year. They're they're faster than last year. They tackle better than last year. They fit the run better. You know, they still haven't given up sixty yards running in either game. Uh, they had eight sacks and eleven tackles for lost, but you can only give the other team the ball inside your own thirty so many times. And you know, Nebraska's offense can't stay on the field. Uh, no, you know, yeah, thir- four of thirteen on third down efficiency, not good. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I mean, late, th- their defense played much better than that thirty six fourteen looks. I'll say that, but that was a loser. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, oh, before I talk about the pick I regret the most, let me talk about one that I did hit on. That was Purdue plus three at Virginia Tech. Uh, this game finished about eight hours after it started. Purdue went twenty four seventeen. Virginia Tech, 11 rushing yards to Purdue's 179. Um, yeah. That went about like I thought it would go, man. That, I mean, we kind of both said we thought the wrong team was favored, yep. and it was both pointing to, I don't know that Virginia Tech can score points, and I still don't, still really don't have yeah. a ton of – Yeah, I still don't have a ton of faith that they can. They just, they just can't score. I don't know if it's – I'm sure it's a mixture of scheme thing and just lack of good players thing. And Purdue, 
you know, say what you want about them, but they do have some athletes on the perimeter. And I just don't think, you know, Virginia Tech's going to be able to compete with a team like that. So good pick by you. Pretty easy cover. Yeah. Um, and then before we get into the two SEC team, actually, we're there. Um, we each had an SEC team that didn't do us any favors. Yours wasn't terrible. Indeed. You had Auburn minus six and a half. Uh, they go on the road and they win 14 to 10. Well, I'm going to tell you about this. So they yeah, had I'm some tell you turnovers about this game. too. Like they should have. Yes. That's what I was going to say. Now I, I give Cal a lot of flack. I know we have some listeners in California, so I'm going to clarify. I, it's not that I have something against the program of Cal itself. It's that I just don't know that they really care about winning football all that much. And I don't think that's a crazy thing to say, but they did look better. A lot of those transfer kids that they took, Cal does have some athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I like impressed. their running back a lot. Yeah, the running back, the quarterback, even they they looked athletic for the first time in a long time, and their defense played really well. Now, on the other side of that, Auburn played like ass. Uh, Hugh Freeze didn't really mince words when he talked about it. He said, "You know, we we screwed up. We got to play better. Turning the ball over." making careless mistakes, just simple shit. Like you got to, all of the stuff that he was talking about is fixable, but they, it was a much closer game than it should have been. There was a couple of different drives where Auburn had a chance to go down and just ice the game and put it away. And they end up giving the ball away both times. So kind of a, uh, I don't think the score is representative of how different the teams are with regard to talent and how good mm-hmm. they are. Well, I would tend to agree, but unfortunately at the end of the day, uh, they still didn't cover and. Yep. I went away my Hugh free picture. That's next to my bed. I'm done. Yeah. And I'm going to throw away. <laughs> I don't have a Jimbo Fisher picture, but I'm thinking about going to get one just so I can throw it away after oh, yeah. taking a and minus four and a half at Miami. Um, Miami won 40, Eight to thirty-three, and the game was not that close. They no, it wasn't. I mean, A and M was the beneficiary of a blocked punt and a muffed punt that that led to their first couple of scores. Um, Tyler Van Dyke looked like twenty twenty-one. Tyler Van Dyke, indeed, yes, uh, three, he did very much. Three seventy-four and five touchdowns. Uh, t- I don't even have words to describe how much better it, Miami is on the lines of scrimmage this year than the last couple seasons. Oh yeah. They're big like time. big time difference. I have not seen if there's a team that has improved up front as much as Miami, I have not seen them yet. I mean, they are they're legit good. Uh which kind of goes to an overall theme with these SEC teams that have lost out of conference games is they're all losing them. <laughs> Well, to include about, Alabama because on, they're getting beat up front. See, and that, that's what on this game, like if you go and you dive into the numbers of Miami, Texas A&M, okay, like go look at the team stats, for instance, just an example. Okay, first downs, Texas A&M 28, Miami 16. Third down efficiency, Miami was three of nine. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, it, every category you look at, really, it's like, Texas A&M, you would think has an edge until you get to like yards per pass. Tyler Van Dyke, 11. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he torched those guys. 
Yeah, it was not good. And then red zone efficiency, Texas A&M was good in the red zone. Six out of seven. Miami was four of four. They were perfect. But you look at three turnovers for Texas A&M. I kind of even that out with the special team snafus that they had early. And it's just, I don't understand like how all of a sudden you go and you give up 48 points to a team like Miami who, I mean, let's be frank, they are good up front, but they don't have a ton of athletes out wide that you would think are going to dominate an SEC caliber defense like Texas A&M. But I mean, I certainly didn't think that's why I took A&M. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, and yeah. It, 374 yards later, here we are. Yeah. It was uh, a very, very big time performance. 21 to 30, 374 and five TDs for uh, Van Dyke. Big time performance. But I mean, Connor Wagman wasn't terrible. He no, he had, he made he made some big boy throws there in like the third quarter trying to drive him and get back in it. Um but, Yeah, and probably taking I mean he had two picks but a couple of those I mean you you you're thinking you're playing from behind trying to make a play, a couple of risque-esque throws and you're going you know one goes a little errant, whatever, fine. But 48 points, man. Miami just bullied these dudes like they yeah. couldn't I, I don't know where the pass rush was for Texas A&M. It was like non-existent. They just couldn't get anywhere near Tyler Van Dyke. Mm-mm. But as you said, seems to be kind of a theme in the SEC because moving towards Alabama, they didn't get anywhere near Quinn Ewers all, no. all night. No. His jersey was squeaky fucking clean when he left the field. Yeah, there's there's guys in college football, I think, that you don't want to consistently give a clean pocket to, like, snap after snap after snap and he's on the list uh, um, yeah yeah so so let's talk about the alabama game uh because you had them minus seven obviously lose I 34 did. Yep. 24 um so that's mm-hmm. a red x on the list here but as an alabama fan wanna... what are your takeaways from the game okay well for the listeners because i know me you've talked about this a little bit offline but uh I would put like if you I, I don't like to drop blame and I don't want to overreact to this game. And the reason I'm not going to overreact, first of all, is because I underestimated how good Texas was up front, you know, personally. Like I didn't think that their defensive line was going to be as good as it was. I mean, they were decent. We've talked about that, that Texas didn't get enough credit for how good they were on defense last year. Even I didn't give them enough credit. And coming into this year, I thought they'll be pretty good on defense. But I thought with the biggest offensive line that Alabama's had in recent memory, that they would be able to get a push up front and make some things happen. And man, I was way wrong. Texas bullied Alabama's offensive line most of the night. Uh, Bama had success really early running the ball, but that was very quickly snuffed out. And Texas picked on Caden Proctor big time. A true freshman, 360 pounds. He's a beast, but he's a freshman. Texas took advantage of him big time. They bullied him. And they were in the backfield most of the night, making things troublesome for running the ball, for Milrow to try to throw the ball. So that's the first thing. O-line play is not good. And as we've said a hundred times, if your O-line isn't good, Nothing else matters. Nope. So that's problem number one that I saw. Number two, 
other line of scrimmage. We already talked about it. Alabama didn't sniff Quinn Ewers all night, getting didn't get near him at all. And that guy, simply put, is too good to let you can't let him sit back there and pick you apart. You can't do it. He'll just torch you. It doesn't matter what team he's playing against. And Texas has NFL dudes at wide receiver. I mean, that's Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell. They're both going to be NFL dudes, period. So, and then the third thing, you we do have to talk about the quarterback a little bit. This was his first real big-time game that he's played in, big test, and he didn't really deliver. That being said, I don't think it was a very good situation for him. I don't want to overreact and be like everyone else and be like, he sucks and he needs to come out and he needs to whatever. I think it's a fair question to ask whether or not he is going to be the dude moving forward. It's a fair question, right? Given the way he performed. But it's tough to be good when people are in your face all night. Yeah, I mean, and, an equally fair question is, do you think if Nick Saban felt he had a better option, he wouldn't have taken it? Right. Like, So I don't want to just sit here and say, Saban's wrong. He needs to get Milrow out of there. Yeah. I, I'm not going to do that. So am I bullish moving forward about the quarterback position? No, I'm not. But that being said, all of that being said, I don't know that Bama plays a team that good the rest of the year. No, I think, you know, I don't want to be the king of overreactions here, but based on what I yeah, saw up maybe, front yeah, from maybe Texas, Tennessee, but I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they'll be hard pressed to find a, a team with a line of scrimmage that was that dominant and up front on both sides of the ball and a quarterback and receiver combos. That's that good. I think you'll, that that's going to be a hard thing to find on their schedule. So I mean, could they still go and win double-digit games? Absolutely. I think they could. I think it's a fair you know, prediction to make if you want to look at it optimistically. And Saban said that all of the issues that they saw in that game, they see as fixable. So tough to fix some of that in season. And the Just biggest thing... Some of it. I mean, I, I tend to agree for the most part, right? When you're talking about like the penalties, right? They yeah. had 10 penalties. Yeah. Um, O-line play, we've talked about it before. I don't know how much you can actually improve that in season. Now, the problems they have specifically where, you know, young guy out uh, on the outside, he's going to get better. Yeah. Um, that will kind of take care of itself. It's just a matter of how fast. And, you know, well, we'll I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you my, my two biggest concerns with this team moving forward for Alabama. Just this is no no homer take. This is an outsider looking in. I was looking at this team. Obviously the quarterback being a concern. That that's got that quarterback play has to get better. He yeah but that's been a concern for six months. Two, right. So nothing new there. Yeah. Right. But the biggest concern that I have that I thought we would see that was non existent was the pass rush. Mm-hmm. Where's that going to come from? Because it looked great against Middle Tennessee, but it was non-existent against Texas. And so, again, are they going to play a team that good? I don't know. We'll see. But that's worrisome when you don't see a pass rush, when we're just not in guys' faces. And so, from a fan perspective, that's worrisome. From an outsider looking in, I would say they're going to have to get better with that because they 
will face teams like Tennessee, who, mm-hmm. if you let Joe Milton stand back there all day, he's going to torch your defense. Yeah. And if you let Jaden Daniels stand back there all day, LSU has enough wide uh, wideouts who are going to be in the NFL who will also torch you. So, to me, the number one thing that has to improve is the pass rush. They got to get better up front. And I think they just, I think they'll be okay. But if you ask me how many games I thought they were going to lose the rest of the year, I would say right now in their condition, probably one more, maybe two. Mm. Yeah, I made the mistake of going on a couple of message boards yesterday. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm not even going to bring that. It's just, it's, it's bad. Bama Nation is. Uh, oh God, they're idiots talking about Saban should be fired. He should retire. Well, not fired. Milrow. It's like, oh God, you know, the, the game's passed him by. I'm, it's just stop, dude. It's yeah, it's, dude. Because sideline coaches or you know couch coaches, as we like to call them. Yeah, sideline would be a step up. They're like upper yeah. deck. They're yeah. Bob Eucharist coaches. Yeah, people saying that know nothing about football, and yeah. so I look at it, and ultimately. My last take on this game is that, or this team, and rather, you know, Texas is really fucking good. That's step one. You should Mm -hmm. not feel bad about losing to Texas. Maybe in years past, not this year. They're fucking loaded. They're good. So might they stumble down the line? Sure. Maybe. Who knows? But I think Texas will be favored in every game the rest of the season until playoff time, if that is up for them. Now, As far as Bama goes, something that I was actually talking with Chase Goodbread about this today. We were texting about it. Something that I personally underestimated was how big of a transition it was going to be moving from throwing it 50 times a game to being more balanced. And when I look at the O-line getting bullied up front, I see this O-line as somebody that has been used to standing up for the past four years and pass blocking for 50 attempts a game and not putting your hand in the dirt and having to drive a team off the ball. Mm-hmm. And so I think I underestimated a little bit how difficult this transition back to a more balanced attack was going to be. So that's my take on Bama and Texas and come at me if you want Jason Bailey 47 on Twitter and you know, I'll roast you in the comments. I don't care. I still feel like they'll be fine. I think Alabama's yeah. still going to be favored in every game they play. Like, you know, if our time traveler buddy came back and said, yeah, Alabama went to the SEC championship game because they finished 11-1, like, who would be surprised? Not, Yeah, not many people. And, you know, it was funny. I, I sent you that picture today. ESPN FPI has Bama at one after yeah. losing to Texas. And so – well, FBI takes all kinds of things into account, and I don't, I don't use that as gospel. But I mean, clearly the computer model and lo- the people who make it have something positive to say about them the rest of the year. And like I said in the off season, last note on this team before we move forward: there's only ever been two undefeated Alabama teams under Saban. Only two. Every other yeah. one's lost a game or two. So, yeah, and one of them was a short season, even. Yeah. So it, it is, uh, it's not uncommon for Bama to lose a game. Yeah. So, but, I especially mean, against get, a really, really good team. 
Yeah, they get everyone's best shot. I mean, that's kind of the price you pay for for being on top of the mountain. But yeah, no, nobody was saying, "Oh, the dynasty's dead." When Alabama got absolutely smoked by Clemson in the national title, forty-four to sixteen. Some people might have been saying it, but they were mm-hmm. idiots, and Alabama won a national title two years later. So, right, what are you going to do? Yeah. Oh, so that's all our picks. Again, I went three and three. You went four and two. Uh, unfortunately, you only had Kansas minus three listed as an honorable mention. You didn't quite pull the trigger on that one. That would have really made it a good week for you. But there's would have. there's always next week. We'll be back with those tomorrow night. I've already got mine. I've I've settled on mine. And oh man, I don't have mine yet. I haven't even looked hardly. I've been kind of busy today. I haven't really even looked at next week's lines, but I will say this about the week three slate. It is garbage. Yeah. Yeah. I got about three minutes into looking at the lines. I was like, boy, this, this slate sucks. Um, it does, that's, man. That's this is, how this I, is one of those that if your kid has a volleyball tournament, if yeah. you want to go golf, if you want to go to on a, yard work, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you want to go and catch a baseball game somewhere, maybe, you know, because yeah. baseball is still happening. Not very uh, many. It might be a good weekend. Trips. No, it might be a good weekend to do that. So maybe uh, yeah. there are some good NFL matchups. So maybe uh, reserve hmm. your football time for Sunday if you're, you know, if you got to pick one of the two days. Yeah. Saturday, not going to be very compelling. Yeah. I mean, I don't follow the NFL. I guess if I wake up Sunday morning and hate myself enough, I'll watch the Vikings. But um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, what, I got through. I mean, what, is the, what is the best game of week three? I mean, LSU Mississippi State is a Probably. Game. I think that's the first one I would pick. Um, Georgia South Carolina. I don't think that's really going to be a compelling game. North Carolina Minnesota. No, there's just, there's a handful there's, of games that could be interesting if you squint hard enough, but it's that's bad. There's so well, many tell lines you, Michigan, that start with a two. Well, I tell you what, Michigan State and Washington just got a lot more interesting, given that uh, Mel Tucker is on his way out of there. Yeah, I was about to ask if we want to talk about that. I, I don't know that I do. Um, Wait, I was actually well, right before you I mean, texted me. I was about to. The, I was like, would I be an asshole to take Washington minus sixteen? <laughs> given what's going on. <laughs> Um, no, I don't think you would, but I mean, it's, we can talk about it for a moment. We're not going to speculate on what may or may not happened or what have you, but if you don't know about it for a listener, uh, Mel Tucker was suspended without pay. And basically the administration has said, this is a mere formality. He's coached his last game at Michigan state basically, and he's on his way out. So they're going through the process of the legal things that they have to go through in order to get him gone uh, due to a sexual harassment scandal accusation. So uh, involving, God, and I, I can't believe, the, the, I guess that's the most unbelievable thing about it to me, is that it involves a woman who was a part of a sexual scandal four years ago when uh, a lot of you might have forgot Oregon State had three football players and also a high school football recruit that yeah. engaged in. Uh, it's not even that she's like she is the preeminent uh, sexual assault advocate 
uh, as it relates to college athletes. Um, Correct. Yeah. She speaks all over the country about it. Yeah. And your go and Mel Tucker apparently under the premise of consensual, you know, he thought it was yeah. consensual. They decide to have phone sex and it's like, what are we in high school? I mean, what are we talking about? I, so the whole thing is just a, just a complete shit show. It's a debacle. And I mean, <laughs> it's just not behavior that would be becoming of somebody who's supposed to be representing an, a university. And I'm sure that's the way Michigan state feels. They probably feel publicly embarrassed and as they probably should just a, not a good situation all around, but ultimately it would appear that Mel Tucker has coached his last game for the Spartans. Yeah. Unless something drastically changes in terms of what, you know, the information at the root of all this. Um, yeah. I mean, and I mean, drastically, um, cause even the, even the stuff he has admitted to under the premise of, well, yeah, this happened, but it was, consensual. but it was consensual yeah. is still, you know, cause you got to remember, this is a school that was at the center of the Larry Nasser thing, right? The, the USA gymnastics doctor who yeah. was, I mean, he's into the hundreds of abuse yeah. victims and yeah, this is not their first rodeo with a nasty situation yeah. like this. So, and, you know, obviously feel for uh, the, the team and the students and the staff and the faculty and the fan base. It, it's There are no winners Yeah. Uh, in this situation. No. So, No, none whatsoever. So not good. Um, I believe they said they're, either their offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator is going to step up defensive. in the interim. Yeah, defensive, defensive. coordinator. Okay, so he'll step uh, up and be the interim uh, coach. Trying to remember, Harlan Barnett, I believe, is his name, if I remember right. Yeah, so he's going to be the coach probably the rest of the season, I would imagine. And uh, man, things going sideways for Michigan State team already that uh, was looking to have some problems this year. So on the field, and now they have them off the field. So yeah, overall, they're not good. They're taking Mark D'Antonio off the shelf and dusting him off. Uh, he's going to be. <laughs> In a not yet defined role, some sort of associate head coach. Uh, it sounds almost like uh, Bob Stoops, right? In the bowl game. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to similar that. To that's, that. Just like, hey, that's, that's just the vibe I got. Be the adult in the room and it just, just stop the situation from getting worse uh, is kind of the feel yeah. I had from the Stoops thing as, as well as this. Yeah. Well, uh, let's see. We're about 30 minutes in. Do we want to discuss any other games that we did not have picks on? Uh, I don't because I didn't watch any other games. Yeah, Georgia rolled, I mean, against Ball State. Mm -hmm. Who cares? Ohio State didn't look all that impressive again. And clearly the voters felt that way too. They dropped them in the polls again. (laughs) Utah and Baylor. Oh, you know what? I did watch uh, probably the last quarter of that game. I don't know how neither of us thought to take the under on this game at 46 and a half when neither team had a starting quarterback. Nope. I kind of felt like an idiot when the, when this game started. I was like, why the hell didn't I take this under? Nobody's going to yeah. score in this game. And yeah. 20 to 13 final. Missed opportunity there. But it was Indeed. the last quarter I watched. It was a good game. Yeah, Utah scores two touchdowns in the final minute and a half of the game, basically, to come back from behind. I mean, they were down all game. It did not look good. And 
Baylor steals defeat from the jaws of victory. And whew, man, Baylor, 0-2, rough start. Yeah, losing to Texas rough. State and a heartbreaker to Utah. Yeah. Alternatively, I think if if we if you asked a Utah fan, hey, uh you're two and oh, two power five wins. Cam Rising has yet to see the field. How like scale of one to ten, how happy would they be with this arrangement? Mm. Yeah, like eight I mean, and a half. Like they'd be, yeah, they'd, be, they'd feel pretty good. Yeah, like kind of playing with house money from now. It's you know, so good for them. Um, well, we'll I mean, see. I, yeah, I don't I, even know who they got this week. I, I think my, they have Weber State, maybe. Yeah, I don't think it's anybody any good. No, so I think um, they probably yeah. give Johnson another look just to see what they have there. Uh, no need to rush Cam Rising back for that game unless you want to give him some live reps. But you know, does he need them? He's been yeah, the starter that for was, two years. I thought Whittingham. It was funny at the end of the game. He, he's like, "Yeah, Johnson came in and gave us a spark," and I was texting you throughout the whole game, going, "Get Barnes Get this dude out, of, out there. of there!" Yeah. <laughs> You take him out. And then they put Nate Johnson in on the last drive of the game and he goes down and fucking scores. And I was just like, weird. You know, I, I'm not a couch coach, but it was frustrating to watch. I was going, why do they keep running Barnes back out there? I don't get it. But here we are. Uh, another game that I watched a good bit of, which uh, I sort of, you know, we, Ole Miss and Tulane. Michael Pratt got announced that he was not playing uh, right before the game. And this is another one that I feel like I should have taken in the picks. You know, anything under a touchdown, I should have taken. It was right around a touchdown, but then it skyrocketed up to, I think, nine or ten. And then yeah, came I think back I down nine and a half. Before yeah. The, yeah. So it, it got all the way up to like ten and a half. And then I think it closed at eight. But uh, nonetheless, Old Miss screws around with them for about, you know, two and a half, three quarters and uh, pulls away at the end, wins 37 to 20, Tulane without Michael Pratt. Can't really expect him to get a win against Old Miss. Just, you know, did, didn't work out for him. But ultimately, Old Miss 2 and 0. And outside of that, App State, North Carolina over again. Any of you who didn't take that, that's your own fault. We we said go ahead take the over. It was at fifty eight. Final score forty to thirty four. <laughs> so not a not a big surprise there. And then Oklahoma still trucking along two and zero. Yeah, they look sharp. Yeah, they look pretty decent. SMU's a de- decent team, kind of under the radar. Nobody's really talking about them. Everybody, oh my god, Texas is so good. But yeah, and they are. I'm gonna go out, but. They are. I'm going to go on a limb here and say that Dylan Gabriel is not Oklahoma's best quarterback. I think Jackson Arnold is better than him. It could be. I mean, I wonder, like the first sign that Dylan Gabriel starts making some mistakes, it would not shock me if, if, if the backup man comes in and just takes over the rest of the season. Hmm. Interesting. I, mean, this I should dude, have had you. I should have had you on for the bold predictions article. Yeah. Bottom line, like the Conor McGregor, who the fuck is that guy? Award. I'm surprised he didn't take Jackson Arnold because that dude. He he looks like the next big thing in college mm-hmm. football. If you haven't if you haven't watched some highlights of him, go check him out. He's uh, 
he looks impressive to say the least. So Oklahoma quietly trucking along here early in the year, a couple of ho-hum wins, but they're under the radar. I think nobody's really talking about them, which is, I would think where they want to be. So, yeah. You know who else is under the radar and no one's really talking about after a couple of ho-hum wins. I just kind of was thinking about this as I was looking at the schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan's ranked like two or three in pretty much every poll and power rating you can find. And like, I haven't heard a peep about them. I, I get it's because they're not playing anybody. Oh yeah. I was going to say, well, you won't until like week five. Right. But they're just, they play, they play, you know, Biff high school every week for the next three weeks. I mean, that, not sure. I mean, who is their, who is their first tough game? I mean, let's like, let's look at this for a second. I'm I'm interested. It's not for a couple more weeks. No, it's not. So, all right, Michigan schedule. There it is. Yeah, they don't play what I would consider to be a good team. Yeah, because who they who's their first conference game until Rutgers? until November the 11th, which is Penn State, and then they play Ohio State the last game of the year. They they close out with three teams who. Two of them could beat them. One of them can compete with them in Maryland, Maryland right? The yeah, because they get them all the rest three in of a their row schedule, to close out. Yeah, the rest of their schedule, they'll go undefeated. So what's the point of talking about them? They will be double-digit favorites over every team they face until they get to Penn State, which is November the 11th. Mm. So why talk about them? It's just like Georgia. Why talk about them? They're going to be double-digit favorites in every game until they get to Tennessee. So yeah, true. That's why you I don't just, hear much about Georgia either. Um, I, I don't hear. Well, I hear about Georgia and really it's just people complaining oh, well, that, yeah. that Mike Bobo hasn't opened up the playbook yet against UT Martin. Um, but I haven't heard anything about Michigan. Like I had to look to see who they actually played and how they did. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> can we, can we roll it back here for the last couple of minutes of the show? Sure. Ha- Notre Dame. Yeah. Good team. Is no is Notre Dame gonna lose a game this year? Um, Probably the first I think the chances games. are yes, they lose a game because they get they play USC, U- they, they got play Ohio USC. State, they get Clemson. Chances are they lose a game, but I would tell you this is the first time in a handful of years where I look at Notre Dame and I I see a team that is capable of winning every game they play. Like they are, they are capable yeah. of beating everyone on their schedule. I'm not saying they will, um, but I don't. Yeah, I don't see any glaring weaknesses that make me think, oh, they can't beat Team X. Like their lines yeah, of scrimmage I, are elite. I'm, they're they're really good on defense. They have they have actual athletes out on the perimeter. They have most oh, importantly, yeah. yeah, they have the quarterback. So indeed, yeah, very very good team. I think they're for real. They go eleven and one against their schedule. That's a playoff team. I would tend to agree, and that's that's my you know, thing. Unless like there's I, four unbeaten Power Five champs, uh, they should be in. I mean they they do play Ohio State and they do play USC. Both of those games are at home. Mm-hmm. They play Clemson on the road. Clemson not looking all that good thus far. However, it is in November, so I don't want to just say Clemson won't have their offense figured out by them. So I don't know. I would expect they will, but I think Notre Dame can still beat them. Agree. And so I, I don't know, man, I'm kind of like, 
kind of kind of bullish on the Irish uh, based on what I'm seeing so far. I you know I, I was kind of like, man, what are they doing in the first half Me of too. that game? And, <laughs> yeah, there you go. I don't know where that came from, and I'm not sure I want to know. It, it but, came from uh, it came from my kid's third grade PE teacher's office. Long story. Oh my God. Well, that yeah. Okay. Well, another another podcast. The, the, like I had a bunch of them in his office, and he was retiring, so he just I guess just started told the kids like, "Hey, you know, take whatever you want. I'm not going to use this stuff." And uh, oh, one wow. of my kids ended up with a Notre Dame banner that's been like folded up in a closet for years. So, well, I figure if yeah, they get to about go, eight or nine and yeah. oh, um, then I'll I'll put it on the wall up there as a backdrop. Well, you know, old school Alabama fans will hate me for this because Alabama and Notre Dame used to be a big rivalry back in the day. Like my father hates Notre Dame, mm-hmm. but I've always liked Notre Dame. Like they're kind of like, you know, one of my closet teams. Like if I, if I had to like pick another team to cheer for, I wouldn't hate cheering for Notre Dame. I, yeah. I so I never, I never liked Notre Dame when I was a kid for, for two reasons. One, my brother liked Notre Dame and you know, mm-hmm. can't have that. Uh, yeah. But more importantly, I was growing up. I was a big Bobby Bowden guy. Those, those late eighties, uh, Bobby Bowden, Florida state teams with like Peter, Tom Willis and Casey Weldon you know, work done. Uh, I liked watching those teams play and they were. Yeah. That's a record that I don't think will ever be matched is four team straight seasons in the top five. I don't, I don't think that'll ever get touched again. No, unlikely. No, no, no. yeah, not going to happen. Not in today's uh, game, which, you know, who knows, man, I've, I've heard a lot of comments about Saban retiring. I've made some, you know, I've, I start to wonder Bama no longer, being the standard sort of you know kind of giving way to georgia but i'll say this alabama's one elite quarterback away from being 2-0 right now I mean, they, uh, yeah not even they elite. have yeah if they have bryce young last night they're 2-0 if they have sam hartman there's a possibility they're 2-0 yeah i mean that, yeah, that's the part that gets me when when alabama fans get so wrapped around the axle, right? Like the sky's falling. It's like, well, listen, yeah, you know, you had a lead in the fourth quarter of that game. For as good as I think Texas is, you were you had a lead in the fourth quarter. You weren't clawing back from three touchdowns the entire second half. Like you played with them. No, the two losses last yeah. year, right? You're two plays away from being twelve and zero. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it it boiled down to like like I said, no pass rush. Yeah, you know, Quinn Ewers didn't find a ton of success until the fourth quarter. And that's when the DBs yeah. are tired. The defensive line is not getting anywhere near him. Yeah. And those receivers are just out there running routes and they can get open and there's no pressure on him. And he can just sit back and wait and pick apart a tired defense. So I don't think the sky's falling either for them or for a team like LSU, who's looked like shit in the first two weeks. I think they'll figure it out too. But Ultimately, I do wonder if the parity is starting to arrive with the, you know, transfer portal and the NIL. I think that's probably some of what you're seeing is probably some of these SEC teams. Yeah, some of the SEC teams are starting to get bullied up front, which never used to happen ever. No, and that was kind of the thing. I don't know if you got a chance to read it yet. Probably not because you're at work. Um, you know, the week two recap article 
you know, the SEC is mm-hmm. three and six um, out of conference power five opponents. And you look at each of those yeah. games, like Florida, Utah, South Carolina, North Carolina, A&M, Miami, LSU, Florida State, even to, Miami. I would say, a slightly lesser extent, but still uh, Alabama, Texas, right? I think Alabama lost line of scrimmage in that game. All of those teams. Yeah, both sides. Both sides. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, all those teams got beat up front in those games, right? In those in those losses, and that's not something we're used to seeing. I, I think part of it is the portal. Um, I also think part of it is kind of you know the co- copycat aspect. I think a, enough teams looked around, and was like, okay, why is the SEC kicking our ass every year? Because they're kicking our ass up front. So how do we do that? We get better up front. And now yeah. they're making more of a priority to recruit those same type of players that the SEC was recruiting for the last two decades. Oh so, yeah, and now they and now they can pay them big money to come in. Schools like Texas well, can pay. They can do that. You know, but, twenty. You know, they now, can pay twenty million dollars a year to get all these freaks down there. They you could. know, and that's what people don't under. That's what people don't understand. It's like I tried to tell my buddy, a buddy of mine, who's just he's so negative on everything that's going on at Bama. And I'm like, dude, look, you have to understand this is a different game now. Like Texas has infinite money and they can buy whoever they want to buy. And they have freaks all over their team. Xavier Worthy is going to be a first round pick. Slam dunk. No chance he doesn't go in the first round. And I mean, unless he just does drugs or something. I don't know. But like they have freaks everywhere. Georgia has freaks everywhere. USC has NFL dudes all over the field. I mean, it's at least on offense. So I think the parody is finally here. I think the portal and the NIL is really starting to rear its head now. Whether you think that's ugly or bad or good for the sport, it's a reality, I think. And the days of one team dominating the entire rest of the country year in and year out, I think those days are sort of going away. You know, it's yeah, we're working towards it. And I think the other yeah. aspect is th- specifically with the portal, you know, not only can you get, you know, can you recruit a kid out of high school um, that you maybe wouldn't have gotten otherwise without the the booster or the NIL aspect, but you know, that, that red shirt sophomore, who's a third stringer, he can leave and come play for you. Like right now, he doesn't have to sit here, right? That immediate eligibility coupled with, the, oh, the God. ease of visibility of that. The transfer portal has has done a done a number on some teams. Speaking of that, I got a question about uh, an issue with the transfer portal, and I don't know if you saw this, if you had some thoughts about it. The kid at North Carolina that yep. they denied his transfer request. Did you read about that? Uh, I'm vaguely and aware. You, I know that. Did you they, read Mac? Did you read Mac Brown's comments of him going full scorched earth on the NCAA? I did. Um, I don't disagree with him. I think he's dead on. I don't. I do. Now I agree with him that, that the NCAA does in fact suck. Uh, I, I don't, I wouldn't trust him to govern five hungry hobos through a lunch line either, (laughs) but here's the reality. And this kid's case in particular is kind of foggy because he went to a school he went to an FCS school in North Carolina. He transferred without ever playing, but he was enrolled as a student, right? So they, their, their fall season got canceled, and he transferred. Okay. And then he went to – God, where did he go? He went to a which is no a yeah, which school. Is no fault, which is no fault of the kid. Yeah. Uh, so 
hard and fast rule. Here's the catch is they started granting so many uh, waivers and basically the feedback they got from schools was we need to crack down on guys transferring a second time. Yeah. Uh, So now the NCAA is trying to do that. I think his case should be an exception because he, he didn't actually play and it's not because he wasn't good enough to see the field. It's not because uh, he got in trouble. It's because his season got canceled at the school he was at. Right. No fault of his own. I, I mean, if it were up to me, yes, I would let him play and say, yeah, you've, yeah, you've used your one transfer coming from, I think a Mac school. I remember conference USA. I forget where he was at. Well, and the other but part of this is, just, it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna pick a situation to crack down on it, that's the wrong situation to crack sure. down on it with, because yeah. every school in America right now is openly cheating. They're recruiting players on other teams. It is the complete. It's a lawless, just shit show right now, and everybody knows it. Everybody knows that it's pay for play. Players are getting induced to go wherever, and yeah. nobody gives a shit. And then the NCAA has a chance to crack down on it if they pick that situation. I'm like, you don't have to look very hard to figure out that players are getting paid to go to schools. That's what you should be looking at, not the fact that, you know, well, this kid got a season canceled and now you don't want to let him play because he's it's the second time he's transferring. Yeah. Like he and, just wants to play football. They've had a chance to to do like the sensible, logical thing a couple of times. There's a uh, Florida State's got a kid, a uh, defensive lineman who transferred to Miami. His he's from the Tallahassee area originally. His his mom is ill, and he wanted to transfer to Florida State in part to take care of his mother. Right, and then that got he's another waiver that got denied. Um, you know, and I don't want to get. I don't want to stand on the table too hard, like for that particular example, because I don't know like the exact condition of his mother. And I don't know if it's, you know, for all I know, she's got diabetes and he's, she doesn't necessarily need him to take care of her. And he really wants to just go to play at Florida state, but uh, Colorado's got a guy that they got denied and they're, you know, Dion was talking about, well, you know, the NCAA, you know, says they care about the mental health and it's like, well, I don't know that mental health is a, a reason to transfer. If it is, I feel like mental health is something he could get help with at a number of different schools or at Colorado without playing football. But I don't know that not being able to play football at Colorado is necessarily a huge. I don't know. It's like any system. People are trying to use it to their advantage to the point of abuse. Uh, It's the bed that the NCAA made. I mean, they had chance after chance after chance to enact some sort of sensible framework for all this stuff to happen. And they instead chose to do nothing. Um, So we kind of are where we are. Yeah. And I I guess I'm just blind to it, but I, I don't understand why the NCAA is, why are they so dumb? Like, how is it that they cannot figure out a way to get out in front of some of these issues and literally go and sit down with football coaches, with football operations, people and figure out how the game is working now, what's going wrong, what's going good. And how do we move forward and keep this shit fair for everybody? I don't understand why they can't do that. 
Well, to answer your original question, they're <laughs> they're so dumb because they're out of their depth. This is not like their background. They're administrators. Right. They're school administrators. Yeah. So why? So right. if so they why had don't a, they go if they formed people. Yeah, if they formed some sort of advisory board, mm-hmm. um, you know, get like a Steve Spurrier, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, you know, get a Nick Saban, a, get a whoever. Well, you can even do retired coaches, right? Because those guys are all networked. They talk enough to, you know, they can collect the input from current coaches, right? You don't need to distract guys who already have a million things going on, but. Yeah, you know, get get some former coaches, guys who have been around the block, and understand what actually happens. It doesn't have to be just football coaches. Go get basketball coaches, women's volleyball coaches. Get some people with an actual background in college athletics. And you know, if they did that, I I have serious doubts that this. I mean, well, it probably still would happen. Um, you know, the realignment stuff because that's all money driven, anyways. But. And that's individual schools, not the NCAA as a whole. But it's, yeah, you know, they're, they're stupid because they don't know. And they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. Like they have no idea that they, they're in their own world. And yeah, asleep at the wheel, I think, is an appropriate uh metaphor and you use that for when they yeah. initially lost in the court a nine to nothing decision that asleep at the wheel i think is a very appropriate way to put it and yeah it's just i don't know what to say man i feel for that kid from north carolina like i hate it for him it, it's bullshit but there's probably 20 40 50 other situations across the country that are just as much bullshit and there are. I, I think there's a chance that maybe this kid just happens to, you know, play for a coach who has enough um, enough clout yeah, to go. Cloud. I was, I was looking for the Twitter. word right. A, a guy who yeah. has enough credibility and just doesn't have a reason to care. Like, what are they going to do to Mac Brown? Nothing. Uh, yeah, like, hey, you know, send him off to go tend to his vegetable garden. Like, I don't. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, that guy. He's not all that old. I mean, he's younger than Saban. You know, people think he's like some old codger. He's you know, yeah, he's younger he's, than he's he's younger than Nick Saban. Yeah, he's still got it. the moves. Yeah. So, I don't know, but uh, it'll be interesting moving forward. Again, the week three slate is pretty fucking terrible. So, uh, our yeah. show tomorrow will be uh, much shorter than this one. Mm-hmm. We decided, you know, we can go a little long on this one since tomorrow is going to be really short. So, uh, in the interim, you guys can find us on social media at south end zone pod that's south end zone pod on youtube which our show streams live to now so you can uh, subscribe to us on youtube please do that helps us out and also leave us a review on the podcast if uh, you do feel so inclined to do so and you can follow me on twitter at jason bailey 47 and you can follow eric at eric mulhair and we'll be back with you live tomorrow night on youtube and we will be going over some trash games in week three and engaging in some degenerate behavior. So until then, catch you guys tomorrow. Thank you very much. Have a great day.